Welcome to the Daily Boogie. And good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks so much for joining us. Oh my, do we have plenty to review. And I only want to review with you. Man, the world is just a little bit crazier today. It's a hard job saving Martha more crazy. Let's do it. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of the Daily Boogie Podcast. I am Boogie Bumper, your host, hopefully for the next hour or so and a bit, perhaps. Depending on what happens, depending on where we end up, depending on where we go and who we see and who we talk to and who we disavow. Just a little update. If you would like to disavow me, you can do so on Twitter by following me at Boogie Bumper. Become a supporter of the show by heading over to patreon.com forward slash Boogie Bumper and subscribe to this podcast and only this podcast by hitting that subscribe button on your preferred podcast player. Thank you so much for joining us. It's an absolute pleasure to see you there in the chat. Hope you had a lovely day. I certainly have. Um, apparently, there was something going on in Florida today. No, I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking. It wasn't a homeless man having sex with a house cat. That didn't occur. It wasn't a woman getting arrested for drink driving a lawnmower. That didn't happen. Well, it might could have happened. But that's not what we're talking about here. No, there was something far more important happening in Florida today beyond the Florida man. Do you know what it is? Do you know what it was? Do you know what was happening in Florida today? I'm going to give you a minute to think about it. In this topsy-turvy political climate that we live in, who's to say what's right or wrong? Who's to say who's right or wrong? There was plenty going on in Florida today. You'll be pleased to know. There was one big event happening in Florida, and we touched on it yesterday, and we're going to bring you the news as it happened here, and only here on this show. The news that matters. <laughs> the important issues of the day. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, the big event of today was obviously this. Trump protesters rally at gay bar blocks from arena speech. I knew it. People putting in the... People putting in the chat, Trump a palooza, 100k plus at Trump rally. No, that wasn't the most important thing. The good people at the Washington Post, remember, democracy dies in darkness. The good people at the Washington Post are shining a light on the real rally. The real issue. (laughs) Yes. I told you we'd be covering this shit because nobody else will. (laughs) Trump protesters rally at gay bar blocks from Arena Speed. Can I just kick it off straight away by saying if your rally can be held within the confines safely of one gay bar i don't even i'm not even sure that that qualifies as a rally at that point it's more like a gathering it's like a party you know 
You know, if I invite five friends over for drinks in my living room, we don't call it a rally. Especially if somebody forgot to bring the white hoods. I mean, but if we're just standing around saying how much we hate somebody, that's not a rally. That's a party. Nathan in the chat says, this title sounds homophobic. <laughs> Orlando, Florida. Opponents of President Trump's re-election announcement Tuesday in Florida are launching their protests at a nearby gay bar where a mariachi band and a drag queen will perform in what organisers say will be the public rebuttal to the president's policies. I like that. A mariachi band and a drag queen. Just one. Just one drag queen. <laughs> not a troop. Not a cadre. Not a posse. Not a crowd. Not a mob. Just one. Just one drag queen. Organisers of the Win With Love rally said Trump's announcement in Orlando on Tuesday night is an affront to a city with a visible gay community and a large Puerto Rican population. Orlando is at the center of Interstate 4 cor- at the Interstate 4 corridor, stretching from Tampa to Daytona Beach, which is considered the swingiest part of the nation's largest swing state. I'm <laughs> giddy lover in the chat's like, "Oh, I'm sorry I missed that." The one drag queen. Opponents blame the Republican president for holding up disaster aid to Puerto Rico over a feud with Democratic leaders on the island. The Trump administration also has moved to revoke newly won health care protections for transgender people, restrict their presence in the military, and so on. Hours before the rally was scheduled to begin, two attorneys held a news conference with immigrants who they say worked for Trump-owned properties while living in the country illegally. WFTV reported, the attorneys denounced the president's immigration policies and his most recent pledge to begin deporting millions of immigrants. So let's have a little look-see at this uh, party at a gay bar. Party at a gay bar. The all-inclusive party at a gay bar where concerned citizens of of sound moral fibre uh, collected together in one particular place at one particular time to voice their concerns about the president and his policies and obviously his homophobic metagame. So let's have a little look-see at this no doubt historic event taking place in Florida. This year, oh, the, the Trump blade, the baby blimp is back. I think she's getting angry at Ron DeSantis choosing not to promote this rally at a gay bar, but instead promote Donald Trump's rally down the street. I mean, obviously homophobic behavior. Only a homophobe would not promote this as a land, as the landmark event that it is. These people are freedom fighters. They're patriots. Ah. <laughs> now, see, let's be honest here. Who would want to listen to the president throwing red meat out to his obviously racist supporters when you could be here with people wearing rainbow flags and Trump little Trump baby blimp balloons and listen to this shrill woman scream insults at you? I mean, let's be honest here. 
What is going to be more entertaining? What would you rather take your kids to? What's more important? I mean, people nominate to run for president all the time. But this kind of landmark event takes place once in a generation. And as we know, if you're not part of the solution, then you are most definitely part of the problem. But he started his and She does sound like AOC. Gilbert Gottfried up on the stage, ladies and gentlemen. Well done. <laughs> so I said to the president, I will not tolerate it. <laughs> I will not tolerate it. Uh, just before we go to more uh, imagery of these people not tolerating things, this was the only video I could find of the press conference that we touched on yesterday in which a collection of undocumented immigrants, former employees of Donald Trump, got together to uh, remember they were going to crash Donald Trump's rally. They were crashing. They were raining on his parade. They were pissing in his cereal bowl. Oh, we're gonna we're gonna be taking the airspace of Donald Trump tomorrow. Nobody's even gonna be talking about Donald Trump. So let me show you this high energy press conference, where the person filming it hasn't been able to figure out that if you hold the camera in landscape mode as opposed to as opposed to portrait mode then you could probably actually see all 12 people up there behind the dais but not to worry uh, those kinds of technical glitches they do happen chamber to chamber of how dangerous legislation was and how unnecessary it was in a state like florida um, it was only six years ago we had bipartisan support on immigration reform here in florida many of the same leaders who supported this bill to make life more difficult for immigrants also supported access to the uh, undocumented children, our dreamers, for them to have tuition that was in state. They supported driver's license for undocumented students as our dreamers. And so again, it's this notion of pain. Can, can I just say something? And uh, hello to the guys over on DLive. Thanks for joining us. Um, am I the only one that thinks it's really insane to give illegal immigrants a driver's license, an official government document? Like, what am I missing here? Is it because I'm an Australian and so therefore because I live on an island country, I must somehow be naturally prone to racism and hatred and xenophobia and all these kinds of things that I think it is the most insane thing I've ever heard in my life to give people who are in a country illegally an official government document to allow them to drive a car? Like, I, I don't understand. what What's the thinking here? How can a person be of illegal status within a nation, yet be handed a government document which allows them to legally drive. Like, the only way that I can foresee this being, um, you know, something worth doing is if it was a massive sting operation. Like, Jorge, come down to the DMV and pick up your free driver's license. Oh, goody. And then when you go in, you arrest them for being an illegal immigrant. Like, that's the only way that I can see this working. Oh, no, 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 no. We're giving, we're giving driver's licenses to all the illegal immigrants. And then there's just like a thousand ICE officers waiting in the back room. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? They walk in one by one. Yes, Jorge, just go down to the room on the right. Uh, third door on the right at the end of the hallway. Pay no attention to the men in military style uniforms. 
Just go in there, tell them your name, tell them what country you're from, and then they'll give you your free driver's license. Okay? Oh, sounds good. And then you throw them in cuffs. So, <laughs> like, I don't understand. <laughs> How is this even a thing? That's mad. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure, you know, present company... Uh, would get this. I, I'm sure you recognize this as mad as well, but I, I just can't believe in the world's most powerful country, a country that has spent the last 30 or 40 years defending the borders of other nations in far-flung shitholes around the world from invasion, right? That you can't even defend your own border to the point of having to give people in the country illegally government documents instead of deporting them. I, I just can't believe that that's even taking place. But not to worry. Not to worry. As you can see, all of these people got the better of the president today. The gay bar rally, the anti-Trump rally, uh, the undocumented immigrant press conference. These were the attention grabbers today and the Trump rally itself got no coverage whatsoever. Of course, all of this no interest President whatsoever. Trump Nobody even officially cared. launches his 2020 re-election campaign tonight with a major rally in Orlando. In fact, thousands have been lining up in the rain there, the crowd filling the Amway Center. And ahead of the rally, the president now saying he will deport a million undocumented immigrants next week. But what he said today when asked why officials in his own administration said they had no idea there was any such plan. ABC's chief White House correspondent, Jonathan Carl, is in Orlando tonight. Tonight, before thousands of cheering supporters, President Trump formally launched his re-election campaign. We accomplished more than any other president has in the first two and a half years of a presidency and under circumstances that no president has had to deal with before. Nobody's done what we have done in two and a half years. It looks more like a movement than a campaign. <laughs> Do you hear ABC now, now being forced to parrot Donald Trump's own slogans? To copy Donald Trump's own sloganeering here? I remember distinctly in the lead up to 2016 saying, this isn't a campaign, this is a movement. Right? And now, now the ABC is like, ABC is like the foreman who wanders onto a job site when it's like 95% finished and then, and then wants to announce what's happening. You know what I mean? That kind of annoying individual. So all the workers have been on the job site, the carpenters, the plumbers, the electricians, the tilers, building a house, they're building a house. And the only thing left to do is put the front door on. And they've done it all, all by themselves. They were working as one, in some might say, in some kind of movement to get the house finished. And then the foreman jumps out of his car, picks up his clipboard, whacks on his little hard hat and starts strolling up the path. This is the ABC. And they wander up and say, hello there, Bob. Oh, it looks like you're, uh, looks like you're putting the roof tiles on there. Well, yeah, I approve of this. Good job. Good job. Oh, Jim, 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 you've been laying bricks, have you? Oh, yeah, yeah, look, not bad, Jim, not bad. I see you, you put the bricks around the, around the side there, did you? You did the bricks there? Good, okay, good, good. And, and what have we got left to do? We're going to put the door on. Tell you what, uh, everybody, stand around. I'm going to tell you how to put the door on. You listen to me when it comes to finishing this place off. 
and all of the workers are standing there going, you know, we had this under control. We really didn't need you to come in here and start announcing what's been done already. Like, nobody has been listening to you for 95% of this build. ABC, it appears to be some kind of movement. Oh, oh, oh. Your powers of observation are bewildering, Dr. Watson. Well done, sir. Some started camping out yesterday. By the rainy afternoon today, the line was extending as far as the eye could see. Before taking off from Florida, the president took to Twitter with a message aimed directly at his diehard supporters, saying next week ICE will begin the process of removing the millions of illegal aliens. To be fair, I don't know if that tweet is directed at his hardcore supporters. Looks to me like it's directed to the illegal immigrants more than anyone. I don't think millions of Donald Trump's most hardcore supporters are illegal immigrants, to be fair. <laughs> like, if I, if I call you up and say, hey, I've just called the cops and they're coming to arrest you, I'm not doing that for the benefit of the people who aren't being arrested. I'm doing that to let you know you're going to be dragged out of there. Right? You sound like a chef in the Navy. <laughs> in the Navy! You can love another man. It's unclear what the president is talking about. A senior administration official told ABC News. <laughs> they always do this. They always do this. He put, see if you can see if you can keep up at home, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. If there is one thing that you can't criticize Donald Trump for, it's for being ambiguous when he says stuff. In fact, 99% of the time, they will criticize Donald Trump for being too direct, for being too straight to the point, for not lathering on and layering on, you know, the PR-manipulated ma massage political speech onto his tweets. They hate him for that. They hate the fact that he's so direct because it's offensive, right? He's not sensitive enough. He's not empathetic enough. He says things that are harmful and hurtful and can cause division and blah, 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 blah. And but fuck me dead, when he comes out and says something like this, next week ICE will begin the process of removing the millions of illegal aliens. And they say, we aren't really sure what the president means by this. <laughs> Where's the fucking confusion here? What, what am I missing? What, what word in particular are you confused about? Millions? Illegal? Removing? I'm not sure. Where are you losing your train of thought here? <laughs> it's unsure. We are unsure what the president means. Of removing the millions of illegal aliens. It's unclear what the president is talking about. A senior administration official told ABC <laughs> News the deportations described by the president are, quote, not imminent. Immigration officials say they don't know anything about a planned roundup of millions of people next week. Well, they know. They know. And they're going to start next week. Despite the hardline <laughs> rhetoric on immigration. <laughs> Mr. President, immigration officials say they don't know anything about a planned roundup of immigrants next week. Oh, they know. They know. <laughs> In other words, fuck you. <laughs> so, yes, uh, the anti-Trump protests, you can see here, very popular, the anti-Trump protests. Just want to do a little comparison. Did you hear what she said there? Anybody who feels afraid to be their genuine self, we love you, we tolerate you. 
I'm, I'm thinking, great. So now all the Nazis can go down there. Hey, I'm just being myself, bro. What's the problem? You love me. You tolerate me. The KKK, come on in. Let's change that white hood for a rainbow hood. All of a sudden, you fit right in, brother. We love you. We tolerate you. Don't be afraid to be your genuine self. Yes, but I hate old black people. Well, come on in. If that's who you are, the dag nabbit, that's who you are. We love you anyway. Come on in, you delightful racist, you. Uh, speaking of the media, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, here's another little tweet. Actually, we'll put out. Because nobody was interested in this Donald Trump rally and the rally at the gay bar took all the attention off the president. I think it's only fair that we show this. And yes, I'm afraid I do have to say this one more time. I really hate that song. <laughs> Sue me. Sue me. I know this is going to annoy a lot of people in the audience who are Americans and they're patriots and they love I love I love that damn song. Proud to be an American, but it's just oh man. I I feel like ripping my eardrums out when I hear it. Maybe if I was an American it would be different. But I just think it's so gay. Sorry. <laughs> Carry on. I just just trying to annoy the audience. It's fine. Trump speaking about the media. The fact is the American dream is back. It's bigger and better and stronger than ever before. <laughs> 2016 was not merely another four-year election. This was, was a defining moment in American history. Ask them right there. Them. They. Them. There's one guy here in the back in the green shirt with the sunglasses on. He's either a fed or he's doing his best to look like one. He hasn't moved the entire time. He just stands there staring with the same look on his face. Like a like an American version of a Coldstream guard out the front of Buckingham Palace. And you can go up in, the, up in their face and, and they're not allowed to move. You know what I mean? Look at him. It's hypnotic. By the way, that is a lot of fake news back there. That's a, that's a lot. <laughs> I 
You know what I say? The amount of press we have tonight reminds me of the Academy Awards before. <laughs> Ducks are agent is boomer on patrol. <laughs> and political, and their ratings went down the tubes. Don't worry, I'm going to get to a story here in Australia once we wrap up with the prayers. Actually, we might even leave it there. I, I didn't get a chance to watch the rally. I was sleeping. Sleeping legally. So I'll watch it tonight. And then I might have more on the Trump rally tomorrow. Um, just before... Speaking of the media, there's something that I want to touch on. And this might annoy a few people. That's fine. I know you don't come here for pandering, so... Stick with me here. Who's been following this Alex Jones story over the last few days? I know a few people have. And I know um, it's been a pretty hot topic in the D-list D e-celeb e community. And I'm not going to mention any names here because I don't do that. That's not how I roll. But Lawyers say InfoWars host Alex Jones sent them child porn. If you want to study in fake news then this is the case that you need to be watching. Now, as we've articulated on this show previously, and I'm sure you guys understand it, long-time listeners to this show, you get it. But if you're new to this show, let me explain what fake news is and what fake news is not. Fake news is not pointing to all sources on one particular side of the aisle and saying everything they say is a lie. That is the way that you have been told to frame the issue of quote-unquote fake news. But the real fake news, what fake news really is, is far more nuanced and sophisticated than that. Often, it is a... It, it's filtered... It's littered with truth or half-truth and perhaps a little bit of deception. And what, what fake news is, is this collection of, you know, half-truths and innuendo and opinion all mixed in together to create a specific conclusion at the end of the story, to tie it all in, which may or may not be accurate. Look at this. Lawyers for the families of children and adults killed at Sandy Hook Elementary School disclosed Monday that child pornography was found in electronic files sent to them by the conspiracy theorist uh, InfoWars host Alex Jones. What really happened was... A file was sent to Alex. And you're thinking, how can they get away with saying that Alex sent these files to the lawyers? Because what happened? The lawyers went into court and demanded that Alex Jones hand over all of his emails in discovery in this court case. Now, this particular file, the FBI has since investigated and found that Alex didn't even open it. Because apparently he has a rule at InfoWars that you do not open attachments from people that you don't know. Because apparently five or six times in the past, people have tried to send him stuff like this and then blame him for having it on his computer. And it happens to a lot of people, a lot. You know, I'm always somewhat mm, weary when it comes out. If, if I just see a headline that says X person has child porn on their computer... Because I know that if you're a particularly nasty individual and you're trying to target somebody, you can send them something in an email and then all of a sudden it's on your computer, right? That's different from procuring this kind of material yourself. 
So what really happened was somebody sent Alex Jones a file which was which was called, get this, Sandy Hook. Now that's how I know that we're dealing with, you know, particularly low level people trying to take Alex Jones down because you don't make it too obvious. I'll give you a free tip. If you wanted to do this kind of operation, slip in some kind of illegal material, send it to Alex Jones and get him to open it in his emails, you would call it something a little less obvious than Sandy Hook, right? Think about it. Call it something like, uh, I don't know, Trump aid taxation paper or something like that. Then all of a sudden, it's not so obvious that it would alert you, but it is you know, enticing enough for you to want to click on it. Just a free tip out there. So somebody has sent Alex Jones a file which contains some kind of illegal material. He hasn't opened the file. Then the lawyers who are prosecuting Alex Jones go to the court and demand that he hand over all of his emails. He had to hand over tens of thousands of emails. The opponents in this court case actually asked the the judge to force Alex Jones to open all of the attachments in his emails. Right? So they hand over all of these emails, including ones that Alex himself has not opened. Nobody in the in the uh, you know in the company has opened or looked at. And then all of a sudden, don't you know it? They find child porn in one of these files, just like that. So how do you get this reported in a way that is demonizing your particular opponent in this case? You write it like this. Lawyers for the families of children and adults killed at Sandy Hook Elementary School disclosed Monday that child pornography was found in electronic files sent to them. Sent to them. Another way of writing it would be child pornography was found in a file that was unopened, which the court demanded Alex Jones send to them, which he didn't read. But you want to talk about fake news? That's a half-truth being woven into a wider story in order to get your mind to lead you down a certain cognitive path and create a kind of intellectual environment where only one outcome is possible, that being that this guy is a kiddie porn dealer. The pornography was found in email metadata files Jones attorneys turned over to the family lawyers as part of the discovery process of a defamation lawsuit. So in the second paragraph, we start to say we start to be a little more truthful. Which was filed in a Connecticut court last year in response to discussions on Jones's show about the school shooting being a hoax. In a motion filed in Waterbury Superior Court on Monday, lawyers for the families accused Jones of threatening Matty, which is the opposing lawyer, naming him on the show, showing his photo, and wrongly accusing him of planning the child pornography. Other lawyers for the families, William Bloss, uh, Eleanor Sterling, and Matthew Blumenthal, said in the motion that they notified the FBI about the numerous child porn images. Again, they don't report that the FBI actually came back and said that Alex was the victim of somebody sending child porn, not the the perpetrator. The two sides have been battling over documents and discovery issues in the lawsuit for months because they demanded every single email that Alex Jones has ever been sent for his entire life in broadcasting over the last 20-something years. 
And look, you don't have to like or dislike Alex Jones. It's really not about that. It's really not about that. Whether whether you like Alex Jones or not, if you are engaged in anything like what we're doing here, you know, whether you want to call it alternative media, blah, blah, blah. And I see a few people have dropped out already. It's like, fuck Alex Jones. And that's fine. But whether you like it or not, he is essentially the pioneer of what we are doing here. Whether you like him or not. And whether you like him or not, uh, this should frighten the hell out of you. Because if you are too much of a problem, if you're too much of an issue, then this could happen to you. This could happen to you. And we've spoken about this before, the 48-hour rule. In in the first 48 hours after some kind of news breaks, your, your mind is being fought over by competing narratives. Now, all of these publications, including the Wall Street Journal, the Young Turks, the Herald, the Guardian, all of these publications ran with that narrative that Alex Jones sent the victims of... Sandy Hook's lawyer's child pornography, right? Now, they're going to come out in the following days and and adjust their reporting. And they're going to just very slyly and very casually and very, uh, you know, would you say, a very underhanded fashion, make, make the truth obvious in a, such a way, but only for people who are paying attention. At that point, most people have already picked up the narrative and they're already running with it. They are already off. So it doesn't matter what gets reported in the next day, two days, three days, four days, five days. Thanks to the first onslaught of quote-unquote fake news, the majority of people already have an idea in their head and they are at the races, gone. They're heading for the tape. And you won't be able to convince them otherwise. They're just going to go around now saying that Alex Jones was sending people child porn. And that's, that's all the thought they'll put into it. And it will confirm biases that they already have and it will create new biases that they didn't have. Because it's one of the most disgusting things that you can do, right? And my criticism is of various D-grade e-celebrities who like to call themselves fucking influencers. Oh, I'm an influencer. I'm an influencer. They were all too ready to pile on to this guy and start pushing the exact same nonsense they couldn't even be bothered, too lazy to Google it themselves, too lazy to read the report underneath the headline, too lazy to do two minutes of background. And they were out there yesterday, oh my God, Alex Jones, this is awful. He sent child porn. What a disgusting creep. I knew it. I knew it all along. Because the truth is, a lot of these people who like to call themselves influencers, who are also too lazy to do two minutes of reading on Google, don't please don't influence me on anything. You lazy hack. Do not think that you're going to influence me on anything. You might influence a whole bunch of really, really, really lazy people, more lazy than yourself. But you're not going to be influencing me on anything. Thank you. But these quote-unquote influencers were all too ready to pile on and, oh, and just start repeating the narrative. Too lazy to do two minutes of research on Google themselves. Because the reality is a lot of these people can't wait, even though they say they're on the same side, a lot of these people cannot wait for this guy to be out of the picture. You know why? Because if he's gone, more eyeballs for me. More views for me. Market share. 
if Alex Jones is out of the way, then maybe people will come to me for their entertainment in the mornings or afternoons. If Alex Jones is out of the way, then I can be the star. Stepping over the bodies of their comrades to get their head just up high enough so the sniper can take them out next. Unbeknownst to themselves, in their bubble, calling themselves influencers, and like I said, too fucking lazy to do two minutes of reading on Google to get the real story for themselves. It's a tragedy. I mean, a lot of people want to go around and say shit like, be careful who you follow. Fine. You want to advise people to be careful who you follow? Here's my advice. Be careful of people who say, be careful who you follow. Just my opinion. Just my opinion. Let's go back to Europe. A follow-up from yesterday, ladies and gentlemen. What screen is this? What screen are we on here? That's better. A follow-up from yesterday, ladies and gentlemen. Rory Stewart, he unfortunately... He unfortunately has survived the second round of leadership spill for the Tory party, which means we're going to have to listen to this annoying little prick for another week or two. (laughs) Oh, no. Dominic Raab, the former Brexit secretary who positioned himself as the hardest Eurosceptic candidate, was dumped out of the Tory leadership race on Tuesday as his camp blamed Brexiteers for flocking en masse to Boris Johnson. The Home Secretary, Sajid Javid, scraped past Raab to meet the 33-vote threshold, but both were leapfrogged by Rory Stewart, who has run an insurgent campaign on social media. Even minutes before the vote, teams backing Raab, Javid and Stewart all seemed uncertain they would progress. Stewart said he was delighted at the result and added, there's a long way to go, but I'm still very, I'm still very much the underdog in this race. MPs cited three issues for Raab. They blamed a failure to win over a solid block of votes from the hard Brexit European research group who have backed Johnson, as well as a stop Raab operation by moderate Tories who saw him as the most extreme candidate. And his refusal to rule out prolonging, uh, pro, proroguing Parliament, which rival candidates openly attacked him for. You'll be pleased to know, though, that this, <laughs> this Rory Stewart chap Almost doubled his votes from 19 to 37. Well done, Rory. Well done, Rory. I mean, he is the media darling. He is the one that Theresa May wants. He's young. He's a breath of fresh air. How could you not love this man? He's utterly fantastic. How could you not love Rory? But of course, uh, slipping under the radar somewhat is the fact that Boris Johnson more than <laughs> gets almost three gets more than three times the Stuart. Um, four times Boris Johnson has four times the amounts of vote of Rory Stewart but the big story here is Rory Stewart nearly got double of his first vote count well done Rory well done that's going right up on the refrigerator young master Stewart well done sir another quick one from Britain sent through by Carol thanks for sending this Carol British law enforcement hands out dull knives to abuse victims to prevent violence. (laughs) Can you imagine being being a British lawmaker at this point? 
We need to ban knives in order to curb the violence problem on the streets of London. Oh no, there's a violence problem on the streets of London is getting worse despite the knife ban. What shall we do? We'll hand out knives to people, but we'll make sure they're not sharp enough to do any damage. Right. Okay. <laughs> British authorities are pioneering. I mean, it's like... It's like walking it's like walking around in the Wild West and being the you know the sheriff of a town in the Wild West being really concerned with the amount of people that getting that are getting shot by cowboys in the streets what are we going to do let's hand all of the citizens guns but make sure that they only fire blanks I, I don't see any problem with this we'll hand out toy guns to all of the citizens that'll scare the cowboys away that'll prevent violence and we'll make a big announcement too so the cowboys know that all of the guns are just water pistols, right? <laughs> <laughs> they banned scissors as well, says UK Neil. <laughs> British authorities are pioneering a violence prevention program that involves swapping out sharp knives for dull knives in order to prevent domestic violence and abuse-related stabbings. People were making this joke that they would ban kitchen knives at some point in the UK. That you would no longer be able to cut a steak. You'd have to eat it through a blender. And people are like, ah, oh, that's crazy. That's never going to happen. Really? Victims who have been threatened at knife point will receive a special gift of no point knives to keep in their home from Nottinghamshire police who say the pilot anti-knife program is designed to cut down on knife-related violence, according to The Independent. It's an anti-knife program where we're handing out knives. How do you even begin to untwist this pretzel of a logical fallacy? How can you even begin to unravel the clusterfuck that is happening in the UK right now? Well, yes, we got we got a very good idea. Here in our local constabulary, we plan to cut down on violence with knives. Violence with knives are ravishing the community. There are a lot of people at risk. A lot of people have been held at knife point against their will, and we are doing our best to address their concerns. The way we're going to do this is we have a very strong anti-knife policy in, in action right now, and this anti-knife policy involves handing out knives to more people. Right. It's an anti-knife policy. Yeah, that's right. And you're going to hand out more knives. Yeah, it's correct. We believe that a good anti-knife policy must involve everybody having a knife at all times <laughs> in order to stop the knife fight. <laughs> the police say the effort is designed to help people who stay in abusive situations avoid becoming the victims of violence. People will stay in a relationship after some serious episodes of domestic abuse. They may stay together for children, get back together, or might get back together when they are out of prison. There's one flaw in Nottinghamshire's logic, though. Just one. <laughs> just one. By removing knives from any home where domestic violence has occurred, they're not just removing potential weapons, weapons, but a method of protection. Fortunately, the program is by agreement only, and domestic violence victims can select whether they'll turn in their sharp knives for dull ones. So you just have to volunteer. If you're getting beaten in a domestic violence situation... You only have to go to the police and volunteer to hand over all your knives and then they'll send you back home with dull knives and you'll be totally safe. I, I don't see what could possibly go wrong. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs>
<laughs> Humanity is failing. <laughs> In the chat. Uh, what do we want to do next? I'll tell you what, let's do this. Let me take you down under here. A bit of backstory for this one. Uh, do you remember the story we did a couple of weeks ago where uh, the, the, the security cameras were put up in the Australian stadium and they said the reason that they were, we're putting all of these cameras up with AI facial recognition software is in order to reunite old ladies with their purse when they leave it behind on their seat. Do you remember that? And we laughed and said, what a ridiculous, what a ridiculous fucking thing to say. And it's all about giving, getting purses back to old ladies, please. Uh, the AFL is the biggest sport down here in Australia. And it's one of actually one of the biggest sports in the world when you take it on a per capita basis. Uh, average crowds, for example, I think it's like fourth or fifth. It's behind uh, you know, NASCAR, NFL, that kind of thing. But for a country of 25 million people, uh, a lot of people actually go to these games. Quite often, you know, 60, 70, 80,000 people will tune, will go to a stadium just to watch two teams play against each other, two club teams, not finals or anything. So that's a regular occurrence. Um, recently, over the last couple of years, there has been a bit of a brouhaha where fans have been booing players and the AFL, because it is very SJW now, the leadership, much like the NFL, the AFL doesn't want certain players getting booed and certain things being yelled out from the stands. So they have, you know, ordered a crackdown on what we call barracking here. Which is, ah, get off him, you fucking idiot. Ah, you know, that kind of thing. Barracking for your team. At one point, the AFL was even musing with the idea of banning booing. <laughs> Believe it or not. I know it sounds fucking ridiculous. But they were even coming up with the idea we should ban booing in the stadium. Because it can be offensive and hurtful for the players. Right. So here's a little video of a game over the weekend. And... The over-policing, what's been accused of, of as over-policing, over-security at this particular game. Check it out. Well, this is a interesting story in the world of AFL. There's a bit of a campaign from supporters at the moment. Not happy that maybe they've been gagged. Security uh, picked a couple of this fans was out the of game. the crowd. This was during the game. And their night is over. I know that there's a big clamp down on language, crowd behaviour. Language. It's going to be a big talking point throughout the week. The security guards are on high alert. Captain Courageous the here with the vest. The, the way they've been pacing up and down the aisles, I'm not sure it's necessary. But, I mean, I'm not down there. I don't know what's been said. I don't know what actions have been taken. But they don't need to be walking up and down corridors, eyeing people off. I just wonder where it's coming from. Who's driving it? So that was from the commentators during the broadcast, even the commentators who are ex-players, most of them are like, what the hell is going on down there? This was nine news. This is layered cuckery you're about to see here. Hawthorne President Jeff Kennett has apologised for comments questioning the ethnicity of security officials at <laughs> AFL matches. It came as league boss Gillan McLaughlin moved to appease fans angry, angry over last... So the guy on the right is Jeff Kennett. He's the president of one of the football clubs, one of the bigger football clubs, Hawthorne. The guy on the left is is the president of the league, right? Last weekend's excessive crackdown on barracking. Tony Jones has today's developments. Not for the first time this season, Gil McLaughlin cut a sorry figure. Today, the apology was to the entire AFL fan base. There has been no edict. 
no discussions. I've not had one discussion about cracking down on fan behaviour. With There's been no direction from the AFL. There's been no discussions. Gillen, we watched in the newspapers and on the various football panel shows and the talk shows and the podcasts and the radio shows, we need to crack down on fan behaviour. We can't have any social behaviour. It's wrong for fans to boo. Should we ban booing? But they come out at these press conferences and just act like none of that ever happened. <laughs> there's, been, there's been, what the hell are you talking about? It's not our fault. It's not our fault. Venues. There was a hint of handballing the blame to the Marvel Stadium management. Just a hint. The same stadium owned by the AFL. Yeah, but it's a venue amongst others. Now, the venue makes its own decisions. They have an independent security team. They had worked with Victoria Police and they come up with a security plan. Although McLaughlin was at pains to trot out record crowd numbers and television ratings, (laughs) these images from the weekend threatened to unravel all the positives. Of particular concern, the Marvel Stadium Behavioural Awareness Officers. The Behavioural Awareness Officer. Look at that. If you thought it couldn't get more Orwellian than having cameras up in the roof with facial recognition AI software to run people through a database as they walk into a stadium, if that doesn't get you, don't worry. The brave men and women of the behavioural awareness SWAT team will. Patrolling the stadium, mingling with the fans, listening to their conversations, making sure that they don't say anything untoward about anybody. The behavioural awareness officers are on the case. We see, you see here at the AFL, we want everybody to have a positive experience. We, we want to provide a family-friendly atmosphere that will give a positive, lasting experience for all of the fans, regardless of who they barrack for or where they're from. Right? We just... We just want to give everybody a positive football experience. And the way we're going to do that is by having behavioural awareness officers patrol the fans and kick them out if they say things we don't like. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus Christ, man. My personal view is they're not right and they Uh, should go. That's part of the discussions we... Our personal view. So he's the boss of the AFL, but he's talking about our personal view. Uh, Gillen, I know you're a very intelligent human being. You're far more intelligent than me and you're far more successful in life than I am. But if you put the word our and then personal, you can't have an our personal view because our is more than you. Our is more than one person. Therefore, it cannot be personal. Our personal view? What do you mean our personal view? Do you have schizophrenia? How many Gillen McLaughlins are there? Are you speaking for, you know, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde here? Well, see, our personal view is that shouldn't happen. But it did happen. So if the view of the AFL is that it shouldn't happen, then why the hell did it happen, Gillen? <laughs> you, can't, you can't bring in a container with your own Coca-Cola if it's been opened previously into a stadium. That you can police. But people walking around with behavioural enforcement officer vests on, oh, we had no idea that this was taking, but we had no idea. That shouldn't happen. <laughs> Bullshit, mate. Can have with our venues. I mean, that is is a look that actually has a challenge for supporters. I accept that. McLaughlin's day also accepted an apology. See, the PR cuckery here is just immense. 
Uh, and that's a look that has a challenge for our supporters. I know we've gone over this before, but PR 101, politics speak 101, uh, challenge, substitute challenge for problem. You'll notice, now that I've told you, if you weren't aware of it before, now you'll notice it everywhere. Whether it's policing or media or politicians or private companies, whenever they have a problem, they call it a challenge because a challenge is optimistic and a problem is pessimistic. And you want to portray that you're on top of something, that something is being done and you are going to win. That's a challenge. You know, you overcome a challenge, you get sidelined by problems, right? Now, that's not the way normal people speak. If normal people have a problem in their life, they say, no, I've got serious problems. They don't say, I've got serious challenges. That is PR speak 101. But it's all about, you know, very subtly and very slyly creating the cognitive environment for you, the audience, you, the listener, that it's not that bad. It's optimistic. We're doing something about it. We're addressing it. We're going to win because it's a challenge and we love challenges. From Hawthorne, President Jeff Kennett. The ex-premier was branded a racist in some quarters some for these inflammatory comments on Neil Mitchell's 3AW program yesterday. The people who are making judgments while they wear these authoritative coats are not people who appear to have a great knowledge of our game, and yet they, they make judgments about what's correct and what's not correct. What do you mean, they? The problem for Jeff Kennett here is the use of the word appear. Sorry, I'm giving you a, you know, a speech writing PR crash course here. The problem for Jeff Kennett is he used the word appear. If he didn't use that word, it's not a problem. Because I'll let it play on and then I'll explain why. Appear to be of ethnic background. Well, they're new arrivals to Australia. It appears. Both can- now, Everybody, he was lambasted for being a racist and stuff. Kennett and McLaughlin, long-time adversaries, he was forced to come out today. and give a statement, apologise, of course. Of sanctioning the vocal president so far. I've spoken to Jeff today. I've told him that I, I clearly believe that he's wrong. And um, I know Jeff um, regrets his comments. Late today, Mr Kennett, in a text message text to Nine message. News, said in part... I do regret using those words. As you know, it's something I would not normally do given my long commitment to higher immigration levels and multiculturalism. And by the way, Conservative Premier in Victoria once upon a time, uh, my long commitment to high immigration and levels of mul- and levels and multiculturalism. But, so why was the word he used a problem appears? Everybody knows that insecurity... The industry of security is very highly populated with new arrivals to this country. And there's probably a couple of obvious reasons for that. One would be the very short turnaround time in terms of study that you have to do to become a licensed security guard. The relatively small amount of money that you have to outlay in order to get that license and the high demand for security at various sporting events, music events, private events, whatever. There's always a job going at insecurity somewhere. So I would suggest that's probably why um, a lot of new arrivals to Australia end up working in security. Now, the problem, that, that's, a, that's a fact. That's a true, true statement. The problem is, he said, appears. Oh, a lot of these people, it appears like they're new arrivals. If he actually didn't say appears and just said, I think what could be a problem here is that um, security is a industry that is heavily populated, perhaps with new immigrants, 
who are unfamiliar with the nuances of Australian culture when it comes to expressing themselves at the football. But because he did it in a very, you know, lacklustre way, I was just, oh, because then it all becomes about their looks, right? Oh, they look different, therefore they're wrong. So he could have handled that a little bit better. But then he has to come out and apologise. I regret. I love immigration. I love multiculturalism. None of that has anything to do with the price of fish whatsoever. That being the experience that people have at a sporting event with men in vests that are, you know, brandishing a title behavioural awareness officer, patrolling up and down the aisles, keeping an ear out and an eye out for anybody who may be expressing their appreciation for the game a little too rambunctiously. And we can't have that. And, you know, I think in large part, it's almost, you know, again, present company excluded, but I think this is an age thing as well. I think there are a lot of people who for a long time have been all too willing to suck the fun out of life. Oh, you can't, this is PC. This is, this is the real life effect of PC in the real world beyond the university campuses, beyond getting banned on Twitter. This is when it starts to hit you in the rest of your away from the internet life, right? Ban people who say offensive things, throw them out. We can't have that antisocial behavior, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then a lot of these people are going to be the very same ones who complain about over-policing at these sporting events when they see it. Just come in, buy your beer, buy your hot dog, buy the merchandise, sit down and shut the fuck up. Don't you dare say anything. Don't you yell. Don't you stand up. Don't you boo. Don't you cheer. Do what we say when we say, or you're a troublemaker and you'll be removed. Is that the kind of environment you want in the free world? <laughs> and for years and years, we've had to tolerate all of these people who say, you know, we don't have to tolerate this kind of antisocial behavior. I wish they would crack down on these people in the stands. I wish they would get rid of these people who say offensive things. This is the world they want to create. Again, when that Twitter PC mentality starts hitting home in the real world. The behavioural awareness officers will be patrolling at a sporting event near you. Uh, Nathan says, is your starting block friend getting it yet? Greeno's very, is, <clears throat> Greeno's very non-political, right? But his sensibilities tend to fall a little bit, you know, on the left when it comes to certain politics. But he's not, he's not a political guy, but he is very anti-PC. He would be appalled at this shit. He's very anti-PC, uh, very pro-free speech. So, you know, regardless of being perhaps a little bit, you know, leaning on the left, one, he doesn't care enough about politics to probably define himself in any way. But two, he, he hates the over-political correctness of everything. And you would, you'd know that if you listen to a couple of his shows because he says some of the most outlandish shit you've ever heard in your life. So, But this is, this is the world that they're creating for us, if we let them. I had so much more to get through. We're going to have to save it for tomorrow night's show, ladies and gentlemen. Just one more article here to send you off on a high note. You're absolutely going to love this. Insta couple who say getting a job isn't an option want you to fund their travels. 
Look at this happy couple. A husband and wife have been criticised after asking people to help fund their £9,000 trip to Africa. And I do have a tremendous video on Africa, which I will save for tomorrow night's show. You're going to love. Catalan Onk, who is in his mid-twenties, currently lives with his wife, Elena Engelhart, at his mum's house and wants to take part in the trip to raise awareness about mental health. Now, I'm not going to try and make any crass uh, assessments, crass judgments of this young man, but when you get face tattoos, um, are you really the guy that should be lecturing other people on mental health? Just putting that out there. A nice big face tat. <laughs> I'm not sure. It might put a little, it might put a few people off. Just saying. Just saying. So it came as a bit of a sting for some people when they got to, when they got the begging bowl out to say they needed cash for their tandem bike ride from Germany to Africa. They set up a GoFundMe telling people that getting a job was not an option because there are few trades that they are qualified for. Learn to code, bro. Learn to code. The couple said, some will tell us to get jobs like everyone else and stop begging. But when you have the impact we do on others' life, getting a job is not an option. Yes, I'm too fucking special to get a job. I'm far too important to the lives of other people to be stuck at a workplace all day. I can't be wasting my time with a mop and bucket. I need to be out there helping people. <laughs> I am so goddamn inspirational to the world. It would be a crime against humanity to lock me up in an office between the hours of nine and five when I could be changing lives. <laughs> I could be having an impact on the world as long as I'm free from the capitalist shackles of wage slavery. We could model and make fast money, but we don't want to advertise consumerism. <laughs> I don't want to make money the capitalist way. I want to beg instead. A normal job at this point would be detrimental. Isn't this a wonder? Isn't this wonderful circular logic? I don't. I can't get a job because one, I'm too inspirational to those around me, and two, uh, I don't believe in capitalism. So because I don't believe in capitalism, I can't get a job. By the way, send me £9,000 so myself and my wife can take a holiday to Africa to raise awareness about mental health. <laughs> this is a community service. Community service we're doing here. There he is. <laughs> there he is. Raising awareness for mental health with a pineapple on his head. One person responded on Instagram saying, your mum works two jobs to pay for your trip. Don't you think that's impacting her mental health? It's sad this isn't all a joke. The self-importance you have is ridiculous. So far, they have raised 180 pounds of their target. Well done. Reach for the stars. Reach for the stars. Following criticism for their begging Instagram post, the couple responded saying, this is how I feel when people make money the biggest topic. Having tattoos, a pretty girlfriend, and followers on Instagram opens door for uh, opens doors for us. It's true. So when people say, why are you begging for £9,000 to go on a holiday to Africa? They put this up. Because they have a big impact on people's lives. Because they care about people. They want, they want to raise awareness around mental health issues. 
and they do so by laughing at pe- laughing in the face of people who criticize them for begging for money for a holiday to Africa because they refuse to go to job go to a job every day and work for it. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. I've got face tattoos, a pretty girlfriend, and 30,000 followers on Instagram. I don't need you, motherfucker. <laughs> I don't need your stupid job. Get the hell out of here with that shit. Feeling cute. Might hate capitalism today. What do you think? <laughs> we have seen how people around us when we have... We have seen how people are around us when we have money and when we don't. Grateful that we get to see both sides of the spectrum. I wish you could all experience this. <laughs> Jesus Christ. There he is in the tattoo chair. Only I can hold myself back is one of the tattoos on his leg. I have to disagree, young man. Apparently, the people who are not forking over their money that they work for in order to fund your trip to Africa because, darn it, you're too goddamn inspirational to waste eight hours a day at a place of employment to pay for the trip yourself. It seems like they are holding you back, sir. It's not just yourself. Well done. And, of course... It wouldn't be a it wouldn't be a money making operation without a nice picture of a puppy there thrown in. <laughs> he can sell his body as advertising space. Peter in the chat. There you go. Reach for the stars. Good luck to him. I don't care. I ultimately don't care. Um, and you know what? If they get nine thousand pounds from people on Instagram for taking photos of their neck tattoos and talking about how they want to solve mental health problems in Africa and have a little holiday, then good luck to them. And if you're one of the people that hands over money and it makes you feel good, then good luck to you as well. I honestly don't care. Let the freedom fighters who are... Let the anti-capitalist freedom fighters who want to fund their trip to Africa be well-fed and well-nourished and let those who uh, fund their escapades in faraway lands be safe and secure in knowing that they are not robbing the world of somebody who is such an inspiration that they couldn't dare pick up a shovel. They wouldn't dare pick up a mop. Well done. Ladies and gentlemen, that's it for today. Thanks so much for joining us. If you, By the way, if you'd like to send me to Africa, please send £9,000 to Patreon. <laughs> if you'd like to become a supporter of the show, please head over to patreon.com forward slash boogie bumper. Become a subscriber by hitting that subscribe button on your preferred podcast player. And of course, if you would like to send the behavioral awareness hit squad to my front door then you can do so by following me on twitter at boogie bumper don't forget follow our friends at real person pltcs and at chris mc 44 until tomorrow night guys at 11 p.m stay calm stay rational god bless and we'll see you soon bye bye inspired you 
I know it's so much of an inspiration. I don't feel like going to work tonight. Maybe I'll just take the night off. I'll take the night off. Boss, I can't come in. I've got some inspiring to do. Believe it. Look at my flip to flight to Congo right now. Inspirational. All right, guys. See you tomorrow. Thanks again. Bye-bye.